So do I call you Tim or the Sprite Within? You can call me Kevin. My name's Kevin. Nice to meet you, Kevin. Nice to meet you too. Andy, right? Can I call you Andy? Yeah, my name is Andy. Do you want to be Tim? No, no, I'm happy being Andy. So so to me, this is like, Tim is like a title. You're a member of a club. The membership name is Tim. My name isn't Tim, but like, I am a Tim, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. So kind of just getting back to the uh, conversation we we're having before we hit record. I'm My name is Kevin. You're welcome to call me Kevin. You can call me the Sprite Within. That's my uh, internet handle. That's generally what I go by online. Kevin is my name, and I'm, I'm very happy to be called that. And I'm very proudly a Tim, a, a huge fan of Hello Internet. Yeah, and, well, I guess, like Alcoholics Anonymous, my name is Andy, and I'm also a Tim. So one of the things that I had just sent over to, to kind of talk about is is the weirdness of, of bringing Tims together. You know, I feel like growing up, um, your mom always tells you not to get into vans with strangers or, you know, not to talk to weird people you meet on the side of the road. And with the advent of the internet, it's like, I'm just going to talk to this random person who made a post on Reddit and said that, you know, hey, I want to meet you and I want to talk to you and set up this kind of weird cultish group that is now the Tim's Talking Podcast. And, and here we are, second episode, two random Tims from halfway around the world getting together to talk about our fandom and nerddom for an awesome podcast. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're in America, I'm clearly in the UK. It's, it is weird, although the reason why your your mum didn't say, or told you not to talk to strangers on the street is because you may get kidnapped and then found <laughs> dead in a ditch by just merely commenting on Reddit saying, I too agree with the hive mind. You're not going to end up dead in a ditch. Generally not, no. If you disagree with their hive mind, then you may end up dead in the ditch, but... <laughs> right. Yeah, they might come knocking if you start uh, if you start waving the wrong flag around or something like that. Exactly. <laughs> it depends on the subreddit, of course. Speaking of which, I, the, the gentleman who has kind of been the, the secret dark hand organizing all of this behind the scenes uh, mentioned very briefly right at the, the last conversation we had of like, wait a minute, what flag did you vote for? <laughs> yes, exactly. And and refresh my memory, which flag did you vote for? I have a nail and gear flag up in my flat, which is the flag I voted for as well. Nice, awesome. Yes, I I was a nail and gear from the beginning as well, so at least uh we can be content in our agreement together on the flag. Exactly. Did you have a second choice? To be to be quite honest, I actually really liked all of them. It's been a while since I've pulled that up. Let me see if I can very awkwardly click away here on my keyboard and pull this up. The choices I thought were all quality choices. I thought the nail and gear was appropriate to be a flag because it wasn't just the logo or it wasn't like a take off the logo, but it was very relevant to the to the show, to the culture, to the, the inside jokes and everything. You know, I thought the flaggy flag was very also flag appropriate, but just a, a little generic, which is why I didn't get my vote. I thought the club and claws was a little too, a little too detailed, a little too much. Again, I think it's still a nice looking design, a nice logo, but if we're actually trying to make a flag, as you're saying, flying above our houses, uh, I thought the, the nail and gear was the way to go. I am 100% in agreement with you here. Yeah, uh, nail and gear is definitely the sleekest. It looks the most professional. It, it's definitely a flag. And while flaggy flag is definitely the most flaggiest, it just looks like a sad version of France. <laughs> 
Oh, that's amazing. No, it, it does, though. It looks like a sad version of France. White Cross, I feel like, is one of those um, just default flags that you get on Worms Armageddon. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You're spot on with Club and Claws, though. While it is, it's full of references, it's just that too complex to kind of pull off as a flag. If a kid is trying to draw the Croatia flag, which looks nice, but when you get to the crown and you're trying to draw like the goat and the other little symbols, you just end up scrawling nothing. So it just looks terrible. So I can see if if a kid was to try and redraw this, they'd have a hard time. Whereas with nail and gear, they'd have a certain solid attempt, at least the opportunity to pull it off. Whereas with uh, club and claws, they'd have no chance. And I think the the light gray on dark gray is a little too subtle from a distance. Yes, exactly. Uh, having said what I have just said, though, with regards to all of them, Nail and Gear was first choice, but Flaggy Flag was second choice for me. Yeah, I think I, it's been so long that I honestly don't remember my exact order, but uh, I think mine was uh, second or third up there, yeah. And, and I agree that your White Cross was a little a little too generic, a little too lame. <laughs> not, to, not to poo-poo on people who voted for White Cross as their top pick, but just a little blah. You're, you're absolutely right. Lame does kind of sum it up well because you look at club and claws it's obvious what it's for for nail and gear it's quite obvious what it's for assuming you know hello internet flaggy flag while it's certainly abstract when someone explains it you'd be like oh yeah i get it hi logo pretty sodding obvious uh but white cross that could be quite literally anything that could be a farmer logo sure sure i i, I do think that the, the nail and gear is far superior Okay, so let, let's go with you first, Kevin. Why are you a Tim? Hi, Andy. My name is Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> um, why am I a Tim? That's a fantastic question. I was a fan. I would say not a crazy fan. Like, fan, I guess, originally comes from Fanatic. But I was a follower of CGP Grey for a very long time. I think probably right before his UK video made him a huge internet sensation. I was already privy to his channel and following, you know, just kind of the the interesting little blurbs he had going on. I just, I liked his style. I liked the the crude animation. I liked the fast talking. I liked just kind of the way he was presenting things. So when it came across that he was doing the podcast, I kind of jumped on it and I was like, oh, this is another, another way for me to get CGP Grey into my life. It just kind of changed my whole world. It's the first podcast I ever subscribed to. And now I, I subscribe to a handful of different ones. It kind of just introduced me into a whole new form of media and spoken word audio. So I've been a, a Tim from the beginning, devoutly following uh, all the episodes from the very first one. And Hello Internet's been an awesome staple in my life and it's helped me kind of get into the spoken word audio vein of, of the internet in the 21st century. It also introduced me to Reddit. But yeah, I just, I don't know, I dig CGP Grey. I dig his outlook on things. I like the way he thinks. I think he and I are struck from a very similar mold. It's been, uh, it's been cool. Cool following Brady and Gray on their Hello Internet journey. I follow pretty much the same pattern you have, only it's kind of like listening to a band once they've made it big. I was first aware of CGP Great before I listened to Hello Internet. My uh, my partner actually got me into Hello Internet. So if you like the videos, then you'll like this podcast. And now I just tend to listen to the podcast more than the videos because there's more vid- podcasts than videos. In fact, there's a fantastic 
quote on Reddit where someone said, Bray is a professional podcaster who just so happens to make YouTube videos on the side. I saw that. I saw that comment the other day and I, I got a big kick out of that too because I think they talk about that in one of the podcast uh, episodes not too long ago where they were kind of getting their knickers in a twist, so to speak, about, uh, you're like, no, this is, this is, I'm actually a YouTuber, but I just make more podcasts. The gray model is once in a blue moon and, and make it viral, so I'm not surprised that, you know, the, the very cost-effective model of making multiple podcast episodes is kind of the vein he's traveling down now. Especially considering he's got two on the go, which I think falls in nicely to the next topic you have for conversation which is follow-up for the previous episodes which is do you listen to any other podcasts specifically cortex so kind of again just continuing our conversation from a second ago i'm a teacher and so i think cgp gray and i are struck from a very similar mold because i know he was a teacher at one point i enjoy listening to what he has to say about email and on cortex he talks a lot about business he talks a lot about being your own boss and things like that and with my job as a teacher i i feel like a handful of those things carry over Depending on what subject material you teach, you can either be the slave to the will of a lot of people or like me, you can kind of be your own little island that's just employed by the school district. I, I do enjoy listening to Cortex, but I also listen to two other podcasts that are kind of teaching related. I listen to one that's called After Sectionals, which is, a, in my opinion, a very funny but awesome podcast where three teachers from Texas kind of just talk about what they do and you know the struggles they're going through with their students. I also have a, another friend who's started a podcast It's kind of faded off to the side this time of year because we're all very busy, but it's called About a Musician. And he interviews, you know, some popular performing artists that he knows either through the grapevine or through college, things like that. And just talks to them about their musical career, talks to them about, you know, how they got started, what, you know, what they're doing, composers, performers, things like that. So very interesting stuff. I also am a big fan of the uh, Serial podcasts. And I, I listened to S-Town too, which was kind of, I guess, like a sister project to the, the Serial series. CGP Grey, actually, through Hello Internet, recommended the, the serial podcast. I got into that, and I spread that love all over the place. Everybody that I know and talk to, I was like, have you listened to Serial yet? Have you listened to Serial yet? Do you know this podcast? Have you listened to these super, super awesome podcasts that I really enjoyed? I, I liked the first season the best. The second season was pretty good, but we can talk about that later on if you want. I have listened to Serial, but only the second series. My partner's listened to the first series, highly recommended it to me. I looked at kind of the subject matter, and it just flat out didn't interest me. And I listened to one or two episodes, and it just didn't hook me. I have no idea why, because like you, everyone I've spoken to about it has said it is just enthralling. And I love making a murderer and other things like that. Really? Yeah, exactly, which really hook you in. But for some reason, just I just couldn't get into the first series of Serial. Whereas the second one, with Bo Bergdahl, I was all over that. Huh. I'm I'm very surprised to hear that because uh, I've ever watched like the making of the murderer stuff on Netflix and things. I like it on on the side. I'm not like a huge fanatic about it, but I've watched a couple of shows. The thing that I think was so captivating about the first series was there was a lot of this unknown factor. Yes. The host is kind of digging through these files and a couple of the people that are in question have died. So they're not around for interview. And this is kind of all taking place, you know, years after the fact. So there's a lot of what if surrounding the first season so it really invites the audience and the listeners to develop their own opinions about what what they think has really happened or what what they really think you know has gone on the thing with the second season was it had already happened and it was much more factually based yes and so i think there were there was less of an invitation for 
the audience to to make their own conclusions about what went on because it was generally accepted fact like this guy did walk off the base he did get captured by the taliban you know these things did already happen and it was kind of just a matter of of why and and who this person was yes there was news unfolding as the podcast went on however i think they were expecting it to kind of take off at a more accelerated rate when it just didn't which is one of the issues when you're relying on the justice system to kind of oh here's something interesting we better work on it no they're not going to do that so i think they kind of put all their eggs in one basket there yeah i agree and i think it was interesting too because the um the host did all her own interviews for the first season like she was making the phone calls she was talking to these people uh you know firsthand and in the in the second season she was talking to the movie director who had done the same thing so she wasn't really having those conversations she was relying on somebody else's conversations to make her own story and you know i think that was i think that was an interesting way to go about it and and it was i still enjoyed the second season like i'm I'm not here trying to rip it apart or anything like that i i I, (laughs) if if i could only make something as remotely successful as the serial podcast um but everyone's a critic right oh god yeah well, it, it was the difficult second album. Exactly, exactly. It was interesting. It, it kept me listening. I listened to it all the way to the end. I actually was taking a trip when the last episode dropped, so I downloaded the whole series and listened to it while I was flying, while I was driving out to the airport, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I, I actually banged the whole thing out in about a day. And it was, you know, very interesting to me. It was a great, a great thing to do while I was traveling and, and didn't have a whole lot else happening in my life. I think the third person perspective, because she wasn't doing the interviews herself or because it kind of was like third hand instead of first hand, like the first season was, you know, I think it was just a little bit less captivating. Yes, I I, I know what you mean. It also didn't have that one episode, which was the flip side, because I remember in the first series they did the, okay, so what if he's guilty? They didn't really have that in the second series. They were obviously arguing the point so hard that he was innocent in the first series that I think they might have pushed some people away by kind of playing devil's advocate. Ah, okay. I thought it was an interesting talking point. Like, that's that's the thing that I always do with my friends whenever we're sitting around having, like, a really deep conversation. I'm always that guy, whether I actually believe it or not, I just kind of enjoy begging those questions like, well, what if? Well, what about this? Well, what about that? Try to just put the opposite spin just to make people think all the way through those things. And, you know, it's fun a fun social experiment for me to kind of try to argue the point whether I agree with it or not. But it's also just a way to get people to open up and think a little bit more deeply about something rather than just getting a polarized opinion on it. And knowing people and knowing talking about politics on Facebook and things like that, I'm sure a lot of people got angry <laughs> they did that. So they probably yes. d- didn't do it as much in the second second season. Did you listen to S-Town? Uh, no, I haven't. I will do, though, because I have had it strongly recommended to me. I just want to go back to your point that you said about playing devil's advocate, because I've recently got into a lot of conversations about what's going on in Hollywood at the moment. Ooh, okay. And I kind of find myself playing devil's advocate with this, especially with regards to Kevin Spacey and what has happened in light of these allegations and whatnot. Before you jump in, I just want to uh, just kind of interject here real quick. I am the CGP Grey here in this in this scenario. I do a half-decent job of really trying to be in a bubble, and I don't get a whole lot of media, like the media hype about, you know, different yes. breaking stories. I did hear that there was Weinstein, right, had the, those charges brought against him. Yes. And then I know Kevin Spacey was the next kind of domino to have fallen from that. And I heard very minor rumblings of, of a third person today. I want to say it was like Louis C.K.? 
I can't remember. Yes, you're right. And there's there's many more, actually, that are coming to the surface about this. Some are vehemently denying it. Others are just being very quiet about it. So I know it's uh, obviously some sexual harassment incidences and, and scandals and lawsuits and things, but I have no idea what the fallout with Kevin Spacey was. So could you just elaborate on that for me a little bit? Yes, of course. So a lot of allegations from various different people at various different stages of Kevin Spacey's career have come forward and said, oh, he, he made very forward advances at me. Some people said, oh, he was doing stuff to me when I was sleeping and I woke up to it. All this kind of stuff. So far, I haven't read anything about violent stuff nothing violent so to speak but still highly inappropriate just abhorrent stuff and what has happened because of it is production on house of cards season six has been halted oh yeah exactly because he was an executive producer oh wow i didn't realize that yeah and netflix have severed all ties with him there was a film about gore vidal starring Kevin Spacey, that is not going to be released anymore. There was a film coming out, something like All the Money in the World, where Ridley Scott was a producer, and that was starring Kevin Spacey, and they've gone to the lengths now where they're going to reshoot every scene that Kevin Spacey was in with Christopher Plummer. Okay, that's crazy. I mean... (laughs) It is crazy. Okay, so let's... Let me make one thing very clear. I am not defending Kevin Spacey. And while they are allegations, but let's just assume they're true, what he has done is abhorrent. Yes, he should absolutely be punished for it. But my point is, why is Kevin Spacey being punished when a lot of other people have just got a pass? Chris Brown, for example, put Rihanna in the hospital. Criminal charges were filed against him. Oh yes, I do remember that. And he has appeared in Entourage, he has gone on tour ever since, and he is still a huge following. Look at Sean Penn with Madonna and what he did to her. He's still popping up in films. He was even allowed to write and direct Into the Wild, for crying out loud. And again, not defending Kevin Spacey, but I cannot stand this double standard of let's vilify one person but just ignore or not even acknowledge a lot of other people and in the wake of the Harvey Weinstein thing more and more people are taking notice but I would argue not enough and if you're gonna really punish one person you've got to punish them all. (sighs) Okay so first of all I totally agree I'm not in any way condoning anybody who's done, assuming that the allegations and the charges are true. Yes. Uh, I'm not trying to defend those actions. I'm not trying to defend those people who think it's okay to prey upon others. I have a very strong opinions about specifically sexual harassment and these kinds of behaviors, specifically being a teacher and things like that. Oh, God, yeah. You know, there there are, unfortunately, incidences that you hear about from time to time of teachers being involved with scandals with children and things like that. So it, it's something that I am very sensitive to and something that I'm very adamantly opposed to. But the point that you're making, I don't think is actually about those actions, but it's more about the philosophy of why are we making a martyr out of one person and allowing other people to still get away with the same actions? Just to that kind of broader point, I don't know that there's a good answer. The The best thing that I can come up with, again, not trying to say that any of those behaviors are, are acceptable in any way, shape, or form, is timing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And how far we advance as a culture and how far we advanced as, as a human society. You know, we are here recording this in, in the end of 2017. If you think back even, even so far as to like the 70s, the 1970s and 1980s, what was the socially acceptable thing 
regarding alternative lifestyle and people who are gay or people who are lesbian or people who are LGBTQ, you know, those things are all hush-hush during those times. And sure, it's been going on since, you know, the dawn of man, I'm sure, but people weren't comfortable talking about it. And it it was a big scandal. Like, Milk was his name. There was a movie about him. Oh, yes. Being like kind of this openly gay politician. And people were so violently and vehemently opposed to him just because of his personal life and because of the partners that he has. And I'm not going to say necessarily the lifestyle he chooses because I don't necessarily believe that it's a choice. But the way that he lived his life very openly flew in the face of what people were comfortable and accepting of. And here we are in, in 2017, and I think it's still things that people are uncomfortable with. I'm not going to say that the whole world is very pro-alternative lifestyles, but I think the conversation is much more able to be held in 2017 now yes. than it was back then. And, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because you probably know a little bit more about this, but I think Australia is having some big kind of referendum, so to speak, on same-sex marriage. Yes, yes, they are. And put something out recently to the public to say, hey, what's your take on this? And, and I think that will that will open the door for more progressive legislation allowing same-sex marriage in that country. And so, you know, here we are in 2017. I think it's we're less afraid or less ashamed to talk about certain things. And so I think now is the point in, in history where we can stand up to those people and say, no more. You know, we are done brushing this under the rug. It's not about the victim anymore. It's about the person taking advantage of the victims. I think previously with these kinds of things, the camera and the spotlight turns to the victim and says, how could you let this happen to you? And how kind of kind of shaming the victim, so to speak. And and I know that that still goes on today. Yes. But I think at least in the, the media spotlight, people are much more willing to condemn the attackers and, and the perpetrators of these incidences and these crimes outwardly and, and publicly than they would have been maybe even 10 years ago, five years ago, just because I think we've progressed far enough through women's rights, alternative lifestyle you know, rights and things like that to, to stand up against people who are taking advantage of others. So I think if you had a Chris Brown or a Sean Penn today, I don't know that they would be getting away with it quite like they did however many years ago that was now. My perception of time is terrible. So I'm like, oh yeah, just the other day this happened and it was like two years ago. But I think if if something new happened with them or something more recent happened with them, I think they would still have the book thrown at them, much like Kevin Spacey and Weinstein have today, because that's where we're at today. But I know the Chris Brown thing happened a a handful of years ago already, right? Like five-ish years ago, I want to say. I think so. And do you know what? I hope to God you're right. What they got away with yeah, while criminal charges were filed, there's no way around it. They got away with it. They're still making money. They're still in the public eye with little to no consequences. They got away with it. So I hope to God you're right, Kevin, about this. I really do. Shit. This is a really heavy topic. Yeah, man. To uh, this, be this, got, this got like hot and heavy and dark real quick. <laughs> so I guess that's like true Hello Internet style though, right? To, to start talking about plane crashes and yeah, uh, and things like that. So we were talking about podcasts previously. So uh, are there any other <laughs> podcasts that you listen to to kind of have a, a hard break and get away from uh, the heavy stuff? I don't really listen to a lot of podcasts. Hello Internet is the one that I listen to the most. Uh, I listened to Serial Season 2, and then I went through about a week of going, huh, I wonder if there's any true crime podcasts, and it turns out there were. There were a lot of true crime podcasts, so I started listening to one or two of them. They all got quite similar and formulaic after a while, so I figured, well, when you've heard one, you've heard them all, and I know that will annoy a lot of people, so 
please understand that this is due to personal tastes. There is one true crime podcast that I actively looked out for, and that was specifically about the Madeleine McCann case, because it was a huge thing in Britain. And it's, it's quite a dark topic, so I don't really want to delve into it, but it was just interesting hearing an American's perspective, because they were two American guys talking about stuff that's been in the British media for a long time, so it was interesting hearing that. But other than that, Hello Internet is mainly the only podcast I follow. Uh, just to kind of to go on a slight tangent about what you're saying, due to the nature of my work and things, I'm not home often. I'm usually out and about working and, and running around for my job. So I don't get into TV shows much, which is, again, kind of how I've propagated myself into this little insulated bubble of not really knowing what's going on in the world. Ah, okay. I definitely have much more free time in the summer. So I do tend to binge and catch up on certain shows and pop culture things like that over the summer. I have found with a lot of things that we get into this rhythm and this formula of media. And I think the classic one is Pawn Stars. If you ever watched that, it was like, you know, this show that got insanely popular where people would walk into this large pawn shop in Las Vegas and, you know, have some kind of weird or strange item. And it was like the guy would take one look at it and say, that looks kind of expensive. Like, let me get a buddy of mine down here. And then it was like, they do that three times. And then the buddy would come in and they talk about it and they'd haggle on a deal and they'd walk out. And then it kind of, it just became this formula over and over and over again. And it was like, if you've seen one episode of the show, you've seen literally every single episode. Oh yeah. Because that was just the equation that they used to make the show popular it was just so infuriating to me because it's like i don't care about the buddy like i don't care but i just want to know how much money the guy got for it i do fancy myself to be a very casual history buff and i enjoy in my adult life kind of researching and learning a bit more about history and past events and things i don't need to know about like grandmother's you know locker or trunk in the attic how much money do you get for that that's why i'm watching this terrible show exactly in the uk well you know storage hunters right uh uh not storage wars isn't that a thing is that that maybe the american version ah yeah they're all the same they're all got oh, it's either hunters or wars or battles or something like that yeah <laughs> storage wars and that show infuriated me because they go oh i shelled out five thousand dollars for this thing and then they're going through it and he's like oh here's a cd player from 1999 i'll easily get fifty dollars for that and it's like okay you said that but i want to actually see you do that because <laughs> i have a drawer full of crap from the 90s that i want to sell for fifty dollars a peach show me how to do that and they never do right they're just there going ah fifty dollars for this dust bunny in the corner that's easily worth $90, this Tamagotchi, oh yeah, that'll go for 100 easily. It's, oh, it was so annoying watching this. That's funny. I, I've ever watched that show, not regularly. You know, sometimes they have like the New Year's Day marathon of those kinds of shows. Yes. And and so I have ever seen a couple of episodes consecutively on, on either like a Thanksgiving or a New Year's marathon. And I've never taken it from that perspective before. The drama about the haggle and like, it's just so unrealistic to me. And so like, I get infuriated for like a different reason. Like not because I want to see them sell a Tamagotchi for $100. I don't want to hear you bickering with the other people in the parking lot. Like I get enough of that in my day job. I don't need, <laughs> like I don't need to hear <laughs> adults arguing about who's going to buy the storage lot. I don't know. That show's just dumb, but uh... <laughs> I am I am somewhat mortified that you are not watching mystery science theater marathons on Thanksgiving. Uh, 
Like, I'm in the UK, and even I know about the Turkey Day Mystery Science Theatre Marathon. I don't. I don't have a good. I don't have a good defense for that one. Uh, <laughs> you did the gray side. You know you're in the wrong. I don't mean to sound like such a fanboy that I'm so like, oh, CGP great. Like I need to live just like him. But <laughs> you know, as I said, kind of at the beginning, like I think we have been struck from similar molds. Yes. And have followed similar paths in life, so we've naturally fallen into similar habits due to that. You know, he's from the East Coast as well as I am, and yeah, I think we're from generally near each other, childhood growing up, and and obviously we're kind of all generally the same age or the same age group growing up with technology and things like that. So I think our brains developed in, in similar fashions. I think he takes some things to a bit of an extreme that I don't quite go to. I don't know. It's just the way my my life has evolved that I don't, I just don't get in front of the TV a whole lot. And if I do, it's probably because I'm playing a video game or <laughs> I've got a vacation or I've got some time to veg and unwind. I'm going to find some mindless marathon on and watch that. Uh, I do like the Netflix because the way my life is, it's like, oh, I, you know, like today, today we're observing Veterans Day, Friday the 10th in the United States. And, you know, so I've got, I've got a day off work. We're able to, to sit down and record this. So anytime there's a, a kind of random day off of work for me, you can find me plopped in front of the TV, binge watching some Netflix or something like that, just because it's like, I have this time right now and I'm not going to have it later on. So like, I need to do whatever I'm going to do and it's got to be on demand right now. So I get most of my television viewing done through through Netflix and things like that, Hulu and Amazon Video and, and on-demand services like that just because of the, the hecticness that is my life. Going back to your point about talking like Grey, I suffer from exactly the same thing. I am very impressionable, as is my younger brother, when we're watching a TV show or surrounding ourselves by a certain personality. A good example would be Eddie Azard, for example, if I've been watching some of Eddie Azard's stand-up, I know I will mimic his speech patterns. And it's the same with Hello Internet. If I'm listening to Hello Internet, I'll start mimicking Grey's speech patterns. Or watching Black Books, I'll start doing Bernard Black. And we're both very impressionable. Uh, my little brother is terrible for imitating David Tennant, um, his version of Doctor Who. Because he'll talk, he'll talk really quickly all the time and then stop and go, um... <laughs> of course! It's infuriating. I'm going to break here and we're going to just have to have a quick nerd out session about, do you watch Doctor Who? Are you a Doctor Who fan? I am up until David Tennant left. And that's when I think Russell T. Davis, the main writer, left as well. And as soon as Matt Smith joined and Stephen Moffat took over as head writer, it just plummeted into Tumblr fodder for me. And I just found it infuriating to watch. I just couldn't enjoy it. It was... A case of spending 40 minutes, because there's no adverts on BBC, thank God. So out of 45 minutes for the episode, 40 of those minutes you're spent going, but hang on, I, I don't get it with the uh, hang on what? <laughs> and then the last five minutes is, oh, they're all skeletons. I get it. And every week it was just revealed in the last few minutes and it was so annoying Interesting. You could do that once or twice, but not every episode. See, I have a a similar but slightly different view of it. And again, due to the nature, like you were watching it probably in real time, I'm catching it seasons later and binge watching it over the course of, you know, a long weekend or something like that. I I completely Uh understand your point. I just don't think it bothered me as much. Um, (laughs) I, I was a huge fan of David Tennant's and had a lot of a lot of feels when uh when he left the show how could you not <laughs> right absolutely blink was a huge uh 
favorite episode of mine. So I was very excited when Stephen Moffat took over writing because I think he obviously made everything very dark and took a turn kind of with the, with the direction. Um, Russell T. Davies did a lot of kids shows in the 90s growing up. So I've seen yes. like that style was very familiar to me and I enjoy it. I, I like watching it. Having Stephen Moffat take over, it made the show feel a little more like adulty, if that's a thing. Like it wasn't quite so like kiddish, cartoony, Keystone Cops. Like there was actually like yeah, a Keystone. It was, it was more mature. Yeah, and I, and I think I kind of enjoyed that break. And I know Russell T. Davies is coming back or is already back. Probably I'm a little behind on my Doctor Who. But I think I just kind of enjoyed the variety that Stephen Moffat brought in because we've been watching so many consecutive seasons of Davies. So I yes. I did kind of rally behind the Matt Smith. But I, I <laughs> in true kind of hipsterdom style or or track like got so mad when so many people jumped on the bandwagon because matt smith was yeah, on and he was yes, this young attractive yes. guy it's like i was a fan of doctor who before <laughs> like, um what about luther do you watch luther oh, no and that that is a crying shame because it is spectacular i've heard nothing but good things about it and i will get around to watching it and it's a british show so i should so i'm gonna point the question right back at you and have you watched The Sopranos? No. Okay, so <laughs> The Sopranos was filmed literally in my hometown. And I have never what? W- watched it. <laughs> oh, you're killing me. So this is I knew this was going to be an interesting conversation because I, th- I think we just took very different kind of paths in life. And, and you're very much into the um, media and the TV shows and the movies. And I'm just not at all. I don't. <laughs> I just ah uh, okay. Like my parents have watched it. That's from right where I'm. Like that's literally most of those. The sushi joint nori. Yeah, is like I could walk to that from the house I grew up in. I just watched that episode yesterday. You're you're killing me here. <laughs> and I I've eaten there many times, and they have all the the paraphernalia and the pictures hanging up on the walls and stuff. I just don't do drama. I'm not a huge fan of of dramas, like both in the literal and, and figurative sense. Again, as a school teacher, uh, I have a lot of drama in my own life, uh, and I, <laughs> I enjoy kind of unplugging and getting into the fantastical sci-fi and fantasy worlds, like Doctor Who and those kinds of things, just because I I just want to like laugh a little bit and unwind <laughs> at the end of a long day. So I've not I've not watched The Sopranos. I've not watched a lot of things that I know is like probably a hellworthy sin at this point. The Sopranos unfortunately is on that list. <sighs> okay. Your reasons are just however much I disagree with you. <laughs> okay. I appreciate that. I appreciate the uh the agree to disagree conversation here. That that is fine. I would suggest watching it at some point in your life just because you know how people will say oh you've got to watch Citizen Kane you've got to watch Ben-Hur all these like classics well stuff that not is only a classic but revolutionized a genre without the Sopranos we would not have Breaking Bad we would not have Stranger Things we would not have television as a medium to explore characters in the way that they truly deserve Interesting. Because The Godfather is a three-hour film. It's a great film, and you do thoroughly explore characters. But The Sopranos, you have got 200-plus hours to explore Tony Soprano, and you go through so much with him, and he develops so much as a character. And The Sopranos were 
I, as far as I'm aware, and I'm willing to bet a lot of money on this, the first show to do this, not like in terms of character development and in cinematography to back it up as well. Hmm. That is probably the most compelling argument I've ever heard to watch the show. Everybody, at least, you know, obviously, as as I just said a, a minute ago, that that was filmed very close to where I grew up and, you know, in my hometown and stuff. So everybody just watched it because like, oh, this is this is us. This is our place. This is where we this is this is our hometown. But like nobody's ever kind of talked about the lasting effects and the the impact that the medium has had i think i think that's a a very solid argument and a, and a check in the okay i will i will take take your advice on this one and i will at some point in the relatively near future check it out maybe this summer i i appreciate that i think it's my turn to make you a little bit jealous now i live next to where they filmed parts of hogwarts oh really yep that's super cool you know the hallways with with the archways yeah yeah uh-huh i i live near gloucester cathedral oh and that's where they filmed Hogwarts. Nice. Very, very cool. I have seen, I know I'm going to piss off so many people by saying this, so we might have to cut this out, but I've seen most of the, the movies. I haven't seen, I think, the last one, last two maybe, um, but I have not read all of the books. I've only read the first book. You can leave this in. I hate Harry Potter <laughs> okay. with a passion. I appreciate what it's done for, for literature and getting kids into reading. Two thumbs up. But I hate Harry Potter so much it's funny i'm much more the um the lord of the rings kind of person i read all of those books multiple times and i have a lot of opinions about the movies as well but yeah just uh you know just going down a different vein i ended up being much more the the lotr kind of person and a lot less of the the harry potter but a lot of my friends classmates colleagues growing up were huge into it so i'm, I'm very well versed in the lore and the inside jokes and all that stuff because i was just completely surrounded by it for all, oh, yeah. all of those years so me too. Um, like you, you learn about it through osmosis. Like I've exactly. never watched Star Trek, but I know a lot about it through just people chatting about it. <sighs> Star Trek. I'm gonna let that one lie. Let's not go down that rabbit hole today. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So jumping back to our our list here, how has Hello Internet changed your life? What kind of lifestyle changes have you implemented? since listening to the show. I only shave with Harry's. Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> I've been shaving with Harry's for the last three years, considering that they've only started stocking the UK in the last two months. It was a real pain in the ass getting in Harry's here in the first place, but yeah, I've been using nothing but Harry's and it is great, mainly because of the smell. It smells great. I'm on board with you. I too am a Harry's user. I I've definitely jumped on that bandwagon along with a lot of other things through the 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 show i totally support harry's products uh, shameless plug for is this our shameless plug corner uh shameless plug for harry's shaving products <laughs> yes and shameless plug for backblaze which i haven't had to use in terms of my computer going on fire but everything is backed up there nice. well worth the five dollars a month all right if we're doing this now then shameless plug for me the reason why you're hearing my voice in a clear mic is because I bought it to make YouTube videos with, specifically videos about moons of the solar system. Ooh. Yes, I've t I've kind of combined Gray and Brady here, where Brady's obviously done periodic videos, a video for every element on the periodic table. I want to make a video for every moon in the solar system. Wow. 
that is a serious endeavor. Uh, and I know very little about either the periodic table or the moons, but I assume there's probably as many, if not more, moons than there are elements on the periodic table at this point. So I'm sure you've got a huge task ahead of you. I have. And since I started in March... Two more have been discovered. Oh, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, Jupiter went from 67 moons to 69 moons. Jupiter has 69 moons? Yeah. What? Oh, I didn't even know that. I live in a bubble. I apologize. Ah, oh, don't, don't apologize. There's only four good ones. The rest are, like, just rocks. <laughs> is Io one of them? I feel like that's a moon that I know about. Or is that Saturn? No, Io is... is I, I apologize. Yes, you're right. Io is a moon and it belongs to Jupiter. So right again. Io is spectacular. It's a volcanic moon and it, it's so volcanic. There's a, and we should definitely put this in the show notes. There's a satellite, well, it's a satellite gif of the moon, the whole moon. And I cannot stress this enough. The whole moon is in shot here and you are watching a volcanic plume that's engulfing about 10% of the surface. Wow. So if that was if that was Earth, this volcano would be spewing lava in about 200 miles into the sky. Wow. In fact, do you know what? Can I can do this now. I'm going to send I'm going to send this to you now because yes. it, it it just looks incredible. And then you can use your spectacular words and your lovely American accent to describe it to what Tim is listening to this. I love I love that we're just in two different countries and we have two different ways of speaking. And you were talking as we're as we're segueing here into the the GIF. You were ta- kind of talking about your brother and osmosis before. Like I I watch a handful of BBC shows again through Netflix and things like that. And as as much as I said I'm not a fan of dramas before, I do really like Luther. That's a great show and it's very dramatic. But I I feel like I've just picked up uh, not un- unintentionally uh, a handful of. Uh, just little quips and and things like that that are very British, so to speak. That are just you know yes. little little tidbits of things, and it's just from watching television. <laughs> it's super fun, super fun to to sit and chit chat with you and talk about it. All right, I got the thing. Yep. See if you can get it on a bigger screen. Oh wow. Okay. So for the listeners, this is a GIF. As you said, very very eloquently, the whole moon is in view here. And there's a, a little sliver of light, presumably from the sun, casting casting uh, some light onto the moon here. And there, it literally looks like water. If you mm. broke a sprinkler head or something like that, like this plume, like a fountain coming up. And, and as you very, very uh, clearly described a minute ago, just spewing out through the whole top of this. It, it's, it looks almost like the whole top is is a fountain just spewing this into the air and i i have no idea how big this moon is but how tall this fountain is spewing up off the top of this can only make me uh, imagine how much volcanic ash and, and whatever sediment is being spewn into the air it does does it have an atmosphere is atmosphere the right word atmosphere around it the the area surrounding this no no it doesn't because it's too close to jupiter to have well it'll have a very thin atmosphere but nothing too substantial but that's an impressive satellite picture and it's so cool that it's in gift form here so we can kind of just watch it spewing indefinitely <laughs> yes and an io is bigger than the moon, I think, our moon. I'm just double checking this for I actually. Yes, Io is bigger than the Earth's moon. Wow, that's cool. That's super neat. In fact, I'll I'll send you a comparison photo of the moon and Earth and Io now. There you go. Oh, okay, very cool. 
uh, this picture has come up and it is the Earth, the Moon, and Io all in one shot so you can compare the sizes. Uh, and it does appear at a quick glance, I'm not going to click and read through all this stuff here, but uh, that Io is slightly larger, I would say, you know, not, not exponentially larger by any means, but slightly larger than the Earth, Moon. Yeah, same order of magnitude. <sighs> That's cool, man. So this is the kind of stuff like I was mentioning very briefly before, like I've, I've enjoyed digging into into history kind of as an adult and starting to learn about things like this. Like, I think it's cool. I think it's very easy for me to get interested in other people's passions when they're talking about something passionately. So like, I, I know very little about space and I know very little about, you know, our solar system and our, our universe and things like that. But it's always very cool to listen to people like yourself or, or I've enjoyed watching the, um, the Cosmos series with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. Yes, that's very good. Um, you know, I know that's a rehash of the the um, Carl Sagan. Is that right? Carl Sagan's yes. Cosmos. I've not seen Carl Sagan's Cosmos. I did listen to Star Talk Radio for a while. Uh, I don't follow it too much anymore. I, I I was kind of getting nerdy on that for you know I'd say the better part of about a year, about two or three years ago. I was really into that, just listening to people get passionate about their subject material and get passionate about what gets them out of bed every day. So uh, shameless plug. What is your YouTube channel where you're making your moon videos? Uh, it is called Lunatic. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we'll put the, hopefully, put the link in the show notes. I'm working on a video at the moment, which combines, actually, history and the moon. It's going to be an ongoing series called To the Moon, and it chapters all the spa- uh, all the stages of the space race. So the first one's going to be about Sputnik. Nice. I was hoping to get it out for the 60th anniversary. It is so hard to find the time to actually animate and create these videos it is so difficult so i've i have a few things now i was watching i have been watching a show on netflix called conspiracies and I've okay. been, it's it's relatively short. It's not super, it's not a great, amazing TV show, but it's got about 10 episodes and, you know, they're talking about, like, did Hitler really survive World War II? And, you know, just kind of all the unanswered questions of history, like who shot JFK and, you know, all those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so one of the, the most recent episode that I watched yesterday was, did we actually go to the moon? I didn't know if you had any nice talking points to combat the, the moon landing with stage conspiracy theorists out there. There's... Two, two damning pieces of evidence for this being a stupid conspiracy theory. One of which is astronauts put a reflective plaque on the moon and they've given you, the public, the coordinates for this plaque. So you can go to any hardware shop, get a decent-ish laser and telescope and you could bounce a laser off that reflective disc and it will fire back to you. So you need a laser and a receiver. You fire the laser at the coordinates. The laser will bounce off, hit the receiver. You'll register a spike. And the cool thing is you could just keep it pointing before the time when it's meant to actually hit that and you won't get anything back. It's only when the reflective plate is meant to come into view that you'll get a reading back. Otherwise, you're just firing a laser off into space or onto the non-reflective surface of the moon. There is no way that NASA can fake that for you. There's no way they can hack in to something to basically make your receiver register something. Fire back. Yeah, exactly. There has to be something on the moon reflecting this, and it has to be put there by man. The second piece of evidence is the technology that would be required to stage and film the moon landing. And I forget where 
I saw this, read this, whether it was on a documentary, it might even be this Netflix documentary you were talking about. And it's basically, we had the technology to put a man on the moon in 1969, but we did not have the technology to convincingly film Mm. the moon landing and fake the moon landing in a set with special effects, with the actual rockets. There's no way that we can do that. And I believe they got 1969 equipment and tried to replicate the moon landing to the best of their ability with the equipment that was available at the time, and they couldn't do it. Just wasn't working. Yeah. I like that. That's awesome. So, again, shifting gears slightly, is this your full-time job or is this a side project for you? Oh, it's a side project. As with any YouTube person who wants to start their own thing, it is a side project. I've got a Patreon, but it's barely making anything at the moment, and that's fine. It's covering the basic costs of domain names and things like that, which is awesome. ideal at the moment. That's that's kind of all I'm asking for. I would love for this to be a career. Who wouldn't? But it's, it's just finding the time. And when you're working nine to five, you've got to commute. Then you come home, you've got to cook, exercise, clean. I think I've got an hour a day to spend on this. Yeah, I Tops. understand. I totally understand. It is it is very And difficult. you're you're a teacher. You've got minus 2 hours. Uh, I well I am I have the fortunate fortunate unfortunate lot of being uh being a music teacher and so I am dealing with an insane amount of extracurricular work as well. So I'm I'm with the kids for football games, for competitions, for all sorts of festivals and things like that. So it's it's beyond the day job. And and well, I'm actually headed over there tonight because we've got rehearsal tonight. It's a never-ending battle for me, but I do love it. I love what I do. I enjoy teaching and working with the students that I work with. It is very much a time sink. Uh, and that's part of the reason why I had a, a very brief go at a side project. I ended up abandoning it just because I, I couldn't get that one hour a day in to, to work on it. I had started very briefly a, a podcast called My Uninformed Opinion. And I was trying to kind of just do reviews of products. And it was just things that I had laying around my house that like everybody uses. And Mm -hmm. I kind of wanted to talk about everything from like refrigerators and washing machines, you know, down to cell phones and and battery chargers and things like that. And, you know, just say like, hey, if you're just a regular average Joe consumer, you know, here's here's some things that are good. Here's some things that suck. I just didn't have the time to sit down and and do the research that I needed to do. Uh, You know, what was still available? What did I have that was outdated you know what models was it yeah uh you know how much how much did it cost when i paid for it how much does it cost now and then i of course took the cgp gray approach to script writing and and did multiple iterations of things to try to get it as concise and short as possible and the the two or three episodes i was able to produce um you know my friends really enjoyed and and the, the few people who heard it on the internet liked uh at least i got a lot of few few the few comments i got were all positive feedback which was great um but it just was this thing that kind of fell off the wagon and i was not able to stick with it so i have since let a lot of those things elapse and expire you know i'd I'd love to get back into it and it's one of those things that again when the summer rolls around and i think i've got all this free time it's like yeah let's take on all these endeavors and then the school year kicks back up again and it just falls off the wagon (laughs) so do you um do you watch the peep show no i don't know what that is what is that uh, the Peep Show is a, a British sitcom, and it is—it's probably the best sitcom you could ever imagine. It's so funny because it's filmed in first person, so there's a camera on someone. Like, you never see the camera on someone's head, but you always see everything from someone's point of view. Okay. So when they're having a conversation, so if you and I were talking, the camera—you w- would l- be looking directly into the camera, and I would be looking directly into the camera, and you'd have a conversation that way. 
Gotcha. So it's like it's like they're wearing like a glasses cam or something like that. Exactly. And the point is, when someone's talking to them, they're looking directly at them and they've got an inner monologue going on. Nice. Okay. <laughs> and it's so wonderfully British. Like there's a wonderful line in one of the earlier episodes when like the office bully has a go at Mark and then his inner monologue just goes, you won't be laughing when I come into the office with the Kalashnikov and 200 rounds of ammunition, will you, Jeff? Oh, no. Oh, that's awesome. I will, I will have to, again, make a note of this and check this out, because that sounds right up my alley. Yes. A couple of friends of mine did get me into coupling. Uh, that is not for me. I did not like that show. Um, and I, I watched, I want to say only the first season ever, but it, you know, it was one of those things, again, a friend of mine had it on DVD, and we were hanging out at his place watching it out, and I got some seriously good laughs out of that one. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of sitcoms either. You know, I, I did get it. I did get a good enjoyment out of that show. Oh, hey, don't get me wrong. Like, comedy is just very, very subjective. I adore stuff like Kerber Enthusiasm and Harvey Birdman, which other people loathe or just do not find funny. And that's perfectly fine. Sure. It's, it, it's, it's all down to personal preference. But I think we can all agree that the new what the Big Bang Theory has become is just an abomination. I mean, it started out poor to begin with, but now it's just atrocious. I haven't, I haven't seen any of it. And <laughs> oh, that's fine. Spare yourself. Um, but I know my, um, my partner. You were, you were mentioning yours earlier. She is all about her and her whole family are just obsessed with the Big Bang Theory. And are you talking about mm. like the the American version or the the spinoff where it was like young? What's his face? I can't remember his name. They've done a spinoff. There was, there was, it was the Big Bang, like the American version of the Big Bang Theory with, um, oh my god, I'm gonna pull these actors' names up because I don't know actors. Oh no. Not not Sheldon. They no they. Oh no. Yeah, the big yeah. It was the that's that's. Are you are you talking about the actual Big Bang Theory? Or were you talking about that spinoff, Young Sheldon? Right? Is that what it's called? Oh my god. Uh, I was only on about the show, The Big Bang Theory. I didn't know they did a spinoff. I haven't seen it at all. But yeah, it's on CBS. Uh, there's only three episodes that are pulling up when I do a quick Google search. But yeah, I haven't I haven't watched any of the Big Bang. I haven't watched any Young Sheldon. I haven't watched any of it. <laughs> Just watch the Peep Show. Okay. Trust me on this. Gotcha. You'll love it. I will. Peep Show and Sopranos on my list. Excellent. And I will add Luther to mine. Are you, are you, uh, are dramas a thing that you enjoy? Because like Luther is exceptionally dramatic. Oh yeah. I love a good drama. Something you could sink your teeth into. I find stuff like realistic drama far more immersive and better escapism for me mm. because if i'm watching uh, like i i'm not a fan of superhero films okay i like the nolan batman trilogy but that's about it okay that's that's a good one to like in my opinion i, I think that one's very well done it's because it's character driven and gorgeously shot what's not to like for example i went to see captain america civil war which Ugh, was lame yeah it was just one of the like avengers oh let's get everyone in here and they were talking, and then they were doing big fights, and I was just not interested because it was just just very obviously a story. Just thinking, I've got to do this when I get home. I've got to do the laundry. I've got to do the dishes. Yep. I need to take the trash out. I just wasn't engaged. Whereas if I'm watching something like The Sopranos or Luther, which I imagine is a detective show, right? So it's it's interesting. I'm gonna just again, sorry to go on a side little tangent here. The the way you started to describe that, because if you asked me to sum up my opinion of what Luther is, it's a regular guy going up against irregular circumstances. 
So Luther is someone who like doesn't carry a gun. And like you watch a lot of these American cop shows and things like that. They pull out a pistol and they fire off 45,000 rounds of ammunition and they never reload. And it's like, it's just, it's gratuitous. Yeah. And the thing about Luther is he, it's all about, you were talking about character development before. Yeah. He, his character is pretty steadfast through through the series, but you, you don't know him. Like the, the show just starts. So you get to learn about him. You learn about him by the people he surrounds himself with and the events that unfold. So the villains that he goes up against, I think are a little bit fantastical and are, are superhuman, so to speak. Not necessarily like psychic powers and, and they can fly, but I think they are an echelon above the average bad guy. Okay. But he's not he's not a superhuman fighter himself. Like he is just Luther. He's just this average guy with a lot of problems and you know a lot of a lot of personal issues just doing the cop thing just being an investigator talking to people doing stuff and it falls into the kind of breaking bad category where he does bad things for good reasons okay that there's that conflict that's perfect yeah so so there's that conflict of like well shame on you for breaking the law but like but i know as the viewer of the show you did it because you're trying to catch this bad guy and like you know save like a bus full of children or whatever the case might be uh, on the episode so you know, it's 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 very compelling, and and you know, you want him to win. It's one of these like he tries to win by any means necessary, and sometimes you kind of like gotta fold your arms and pout about it because it's like, well, I want you to win, but I don't know that I wanted you to do that to win. <laughs> See that that just hearing you talk about that just immerse me in that world, and it sounds so utterly compelling, and I will of course just not think about taking out the trash or doing chores around the house when I'm watching this show. And from your description, boy oh boy, are you going to love The Sopranos because you've got Tony Soprano who knows he's doing bad things, doesn't care about bad things, but as soon as a bad thing's going to potentially happen to his family, he just completely switches into like protective dad mode and you're very conflicted because... You're watching this guy protecting his family, like, oh yeah, protect them. And then at the same time, he's beating the crap out of some guy for pretty much no reason. Interesting. It's it's really good. And it more importantly, it challenges you, the viewer, to go, huh. Nice. How do I feel about this? Awesome. Well, I okay, you're you're moving this up on my priority list here. I might I might have to start this sooner than I thought. Um, yes. But that's I mean that that is definitely the kind of stuff that I get into. And like you said, like I I totally agree with the whole can I suspend my disbelief and get involved in this world to the point that I'm not worried about taking out the trash or I'm not worried about what I got to do tomorrow. And the reason why I don't generally get into those shows is because I'm not usually in a position where I can afford that kind of time. Yes. I'm the person that's like one more episode. No, just one more episode. No, just one. And the <laughs> next thing you know, it's three o'clock in the morning. It's like, I need to be up in two hours. I'm not going to function. <laughs> so I try not to get emotionally involved in the middle of the school year with uh, with things like that, just because I'm going to be a bad teacher if if I do. Well, <laughs> well, here's another reason to like The Sopranos. Unlike Breaking Bad, unlike X-Files, unlike Doctor Who, it's there's a very clear end to every episode. It's like music where there is a cadence, a final chord, and you're like, ah, end of a chapter. And you can just walk away from it and come back and pick it up whenever you want. Nice. It's perfect like that. And in terms of episodes and seasons, there are no cliffhangers. It's very, a bit of ambiguity between one and two, but not to the point where you're like, I have to watch the next one. You're like, Oh man, I wonder what's going to happen. But I need to digest this first. Gotcha. Oh, that it's, is that is definitely 
the kind of thing that I need during the school year, for sure. <laughs> so yeah, that, that, that's perfect. Awesome, cool. Let's get back to uh, Hello Internet, because that's what this is about. You've listened to the most recent episode of Hello Internet, I'm sure. I have, except for the last quarter, because... Hear me out, hear me out. My my partner and I listen to Hello Internet together when we're travelling. Specifically, to and from the airport, which is about a 90-minute to two-hour drive from our flat. So... We tend, we're very lucky living in the UK within driving distance to an airport, so we can go to Europe really quickly, cheaply, and with little time. So, for example, next Friday, which will be the 17th, I believe, we're going to Germany, Cologne, in fact, and the flights cost us £40, which is $50. What? <sighs> yes. Because the UK is so close to Germany and you're staying in hostels, which is cheap. Sure. It doesn't, so it doesn't cost a lot to go to these places. And we love traveling. We don't go to clubs. We don't tend to go out drinking much because we're just not into dancing and clubby kind of people. And while people are spending money in clubs, we don't and spend it on flights and go somewhere else. That's and awesome. So when we're traveling, we listen to Hello Internet. And we, we got to the last ad break and we were, think, 15 minutes from home. It's like, well, I don't want to stop them mid-conversation, so I've got to listen to the last quarter of the last episode. Gotcha. That was kind of what I was interested to hear your take on, just because it was something that I was interested <laughs> in. But we'll, we'll let that go. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. No, that's fine. So let's, let's, move, to the, let's move to the big thing. I'm going to kind of preface this with a little... A little bit about me, uh-huh. and I'm I'm really curious. We're going to end this with you because you have a bombshell to drop, apparently. So, kind of revisiting an earlier conversation. There's a lot of like little, I would say, mundane things that Hello Internet has brought into my life. You mentioned the Harry Razor thing. Like I was using, yeah. you know, the super expensive brands before then. Oh, hey, here's this opportunity to support a show I really like, and I can get a cheap shave, and life is good. Yeah. So uh, I've done that. I have not gotten back blaze. The reason being is I just use a different provider for the same service. So I had that set up ah, fair enough. previously, and I just didn't feel the need to switch. So but there's been a lot of little things. I really enjoy hearing Gray talk about email, and I know people roll their <laughs> eyes. But again, um, as a school teacher, I deal with email a lot, both from inside the internet i like to call it you know where communication with the district and within the school and then from parents and things like that so my phone and my email inbox is constantly being filled up it's nice to hear other people talk about their ways of of managing it and dealing with it and so i've adopted and adapted a lot of email practices that gray has talked about just because it again kind of fits in with my life and I think we're we're struck from a similar mold so we've got that going on. Hello Internet was the first podcast that I ever listened to so it kind of got me into podcasting. I like it when they talk about the YouTube stuff only because I was very interested like I said for a time of kind of trying to start my own podcast and seeing what that would entail and, and I think they did a really great job of kind of just talking about like the business end of things. And mm-hmm. that's not something that you always think about when you're going into, you know, this kind of fantasy or this starry eyed vision of like, ooh, I'm going to make this thing and it's going to be great. 
I think Gray and Brady do a nice job of kind of grounding people in reality and saying, no, here's here's kind of the back the back end of things and here's Absolutely. where it gets, you know, frustrating and sloppy. So as much as a lot of people gripe about like, I'm not a YouTuber, I don't care. I do, and, and I'm not a YouTuber, but I do care. And it's nice to hear them talk about real things yes. regarding the business. And, and again, someone like yourself trying to start their own YouTube channel, you see that same kind of thing. Um, a few things that I'm kind of like, eh, about with Hello Internet is when they talk about like the big Apple releases, I do have an iMac, which, uh, again, tangent 15 minutes before we are <laughs> trying to record this, a little window pops up and says, you need to update your operating system. And it's only going to take two and a half minutes. I'm like, okay, great. Awesome. I hit the update button and it's like, whoop, and it's yeah. Oh, downloaded, ready to install, hit the restart button. It's going to take 45 minutes to install. So while we've been talking almost the whole time while we've been talking, it's been installing. So I ended up recording this <laughs> on my laptop, which is also a, a new MacBook Pro, by the way. And and um, that's about the extent of my Apple usage. I have an iPod. I've got the desktop Mac, which I only switched to because I was trying to do podcasting and, and I wanted to have a more hands-on experience with Logic. And I also use some music notation software for my day job, which functions mm -hmm. significantly better on the Macs than it does on the, on the Windows. But I have an Android phone and I, I'm pretty much PC everywhere else. I, I have PCs at work, so I use those in there. A couple of them are just terrible. I don't have an iPhone. I don't have the Apple Watch. So when they kind of go on these tangents about that stuff, it's like, it's cool. I enjoy listening to them talk about it. Again, when people get passionate about things, I, I can get interested in it. But I kind of am just like, eh, on, on some of that. You kind of had said, well, what don't you like about Hello Internet? And I, I was like, I don't know that anyone's ever asked me that question before. Like, that's a great question. What don't I like about Hello Internet? There really isn't much that I could say that I don't like. As we've very well discovered, I'm not like a huge movie guy. So sometimes when they were talking about yeah. like her or they were talking about Ex Machina, I was kind of like, like you, you had said a minute ago, like, I was folding laundry and I was doing other things while I was listening to this because it's just like, <laughs> all right, this is cool. And, and I had no problem listening to it because I'm never going to watch those things. Yeah. You know, my track record with watching things, as we've discovered, is pretty, pretty lame. <laughs> so it was uh, I was very comfortable getting all the spoilers and listening to them talk about it. And it's like, cool, the more that you tell me about it, Brady and Gray, the less I need to watch it because I already know what happens. Um, so, uh, you know, I guess that's like a, a good side of a bad thing. Like, I'm just I'm just kind of indifferent on those things. So yeah, I'll listen to you guys talk about Apple and Apple watches and, and the, the multi-pad lifestyle and all that stuff. I guess that's a, that's a little bit more cortex, the multi-pad lifestyle. You know, when they talk about going to the, the VidCons and the things like that too. Um, um, yeah. I'm just a little indifferent because it's just like, yeah, I've, I've never done that. That's probably not something I'm ever going to do. So it's it's cool to hear you guys talk about your experiences and, you know, what do they say? Like first world YouTuber problems? Like, you know, oh, I had to, yeah. I had to go and speak in front of a whole room of people. It's like, well, that's what I do every day. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm a little unsympathetic to some of those things. But, you know, and, and again, like, I don't think it's anything I dislike about the show. Just things that interest me more, interest me less, depending on the, the subject material. So uh, I think the reason why Hello Internet's been such a staple in my life is because a lot of the stuff that they originally started talking about and kind of have since become these running corners and running running themes throughout the show is, have been very relevant to my work life, have been very relevant to my home life. And, and it's been fun to share with my partners too, got them listening to Hello Internet with me, like long car rides, things like that. So nice to have some conversations about some of the topics that they bring up. I don't watch cricket ever. So I'm kind of with CGP Gray when Brady starts going on about racing or cricket or any of that stuff. When Gray's going off on Apple Watches and WWDC and whatever other things that he likes to talk about, it's just like, yeah, okay, cool. I'm, I'm going to listen to this and 
think about work and think about folding the laundry and feeding the pets and all the other things I have to do when I get home or whatever the case might be. I think those are those are my, I don't even want to say thumbs down, but those are my dislikes, uh, my, my casual yeah. uninterestedness through Hello Internet. But you said you have some glaring issue with, with the podcast, and I am kind of dying to know what what this issue is that it's going to be so <laughs> bombshell and dividing. <laughs> oh, man, I think you've overhyped it somewhat. Oh, all right. <laughs> but it, it's more... It's a major gripe I have, and so far I've agreed with everything you've said in terms of, like, the Apple stuff, the First World, YouTuber problems, Sports Ball Corner, all that kind of stuff. I'm indifferent as a a topic, don't like sports, don't own any Apple products, but I'm happy listening to two intelligent people talk about it. Just because I'm learning something about it, they have a great back and forth, and it's, it's entertaining to listening to. The major gripe I have with the show is money because I think Grey and Brady have become somewhat accustomed to a certain lifestyle. I have heard Grey talking about going to Amsterdam for a week to live in a hotel and write a script while he was away. Just being able, having the money to be able to do that. Talking about, oh, if you're going to train, make sure you get a personal trainer. Talking about jet setting backwards and forwards and having parties where they're able to actually hire caterers and people to wait on and whatnot. And yes, they certainly put in the hard work. They do a lot of prep. They've earned their money. But what really gripes me is how much they charge for exclusive merchandise for Hello Internet. Interesting. Okay. So, for example... The Hello Internet Vinyl episode. I am really interested to hear what Gray and Brady listen to. I would love to hear them talk about music, but I don't own a vinyl player. I really don't know anyone who owns a vinyl player, and I don't have £40 plus shipping, which is $50 plus shipping to the US, so I'm going to expect that to be between $70 and $80 for a vinyl record, and then on top of that, potentially buying a vinyl player. That's an insane amount of money to shell out on a bit of merchandise. And it, look at the Hello Internet sneakers. While Brady said they were a hundred, they, they were expensive, he held up his hands and said, they're expensive. A hundred and ninety pounds? That's two hundred and forty dollars. I didn't even know they were that much money. Plus shipping! I have a vinyl record player. Um, <laughs> now, obviously, as as I'm sure you can deduce through the things we've been talking about, music is kind of what I do. I legitimately just picked mine up at a garage sale once upon a time. Oh, no, that's fine. You know, 10 years ago, I think I paid 25 bucks for it. And it works, like it spins. There is no stigma. There is no stigma here whatsoever for owning a vinyl player. Let me just make that crystal clear. I'm My issue with how mu- is how much they're charging sure. for merchandise. And it's really expensive. I just think that they may have forgotten what it's like to be a student and really liking something, desperately wanting to support something and wanting to own a piece of it. It's all well and good donating a dollar on Patreon, but those are just pixels that you're getting in return. Words on a screen of thank you for supporting the podcast. If you want to actually own a piece of the show, something you can hold in your hands, 
you've got to pay. Interesting. I, being the teacher that I am, and I've moved a lot recently and just had had the unfortunate situation of not really having a disposable income, I've just adopted the mindset of like, I'm never going to, I'm, I'm not even going to consider getting the vinyl or consider getting the shoes or anything like that just because I d- don't have the the income to dispose and those kinds of things. But I, I had no idea the shoes are that much money. I know when they were first talking about it, I like looked at a picture of them or something that I think they'd put in the show notes. And I was like, man, they're not really my style. So I like wasn't terribly interested in it. Anyway, I was really considering getting the vinyl. But again, then when the bills start to come in, it's like, oh, I, I can't do that. And I do have a vinyl record player. In my younger years, and I, when I had a little bit more money to throw around foolishly when I was like still living with my parents and things like that, I did buy deluxe editions of some of my favorite bands, you know, releases and stuff. And oftentimes that would come with a vinyl version of the album or something like that. So Okay, but how much did they cost, the deluxe edition? Uh, it depends. I'm actually a, a big fan of a gentleman by the name of Frank Turner, who's an English artist, and his deluxe editions will run you, if you give me a second, I'll pull it up on iTunes because he's got one, a pre-order right now. Not crazy money, anything like you were just saying. And I am aware of Frank Turner, by the way. He's a fantastic oh my songwriter. God. I love... We, all right, we're going to cut out everything that we've talked about, and we're only going to talk... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I'm the hugest nerd for Frank Turner. I love him so much. I have pre-ordered Songbook, which is his new album, Shameless mm-hmm. Plug Corner. And this comes <laughs> with 30 songs. Yeah. It is the standard CD, limited edition signed, is 13 US dollars. $13, $13. as opposed to hang on, 50 hang on, hang on, hang on. without shipping. <laughs> so that, that is the, the, the bare minimum. Then if you do the Songbook standard 3LP... Oh, so this is the LP. So this is the vinyl. This one's going to run you $37.99 US dollars. And then there's like the deluxe box set of, I don't even know what all this is going to be. And this one is $74.99, excuse me. So it's $75 American dollars. So that is the kind of the upper echelon of things. So you've got, you've got price options here with, with my main man, Frank. You know, you can, you can get the, a signed CD for 13 mm-hmm. bucks, or you can upgrade to the vinyls and go for 40 bucks, or you can upgrade to the huge thing and go for $75. So I like that he kind of gives you some options. Now I know Hello Internet didn't give us a whole lot of options with the, with the vinyl. Exactly. And if, they, if they'd have said, hey, we're going to put it on Bandcamp for $5, and the $5 goes to the burn charity that we made the hot stopper thing about, yeah, Go nuts, I will happily donate $5 to hear Graham Brady talk about music, but I am not going to shell out $70 or 50 quid just to hear them talk for what, what I imagine was only like an hour tops about music. I am going to go to Pirate Bay and I'm going to download that <laughs> illegally to spite oh, them. I love Pirate Bay. <laughs> it's how I watch Game of Thrones. All right, fair enough. And now that now that you've kind of stirred the pot and I'm starting to think about this, I, I'm going to bring up the Star Wars viewing session that they had with the Ooh. penguins, right? Now, I yeah. understand this was a charitable thing. I understand they were trying to, to raise money. And anytime you're trying to do any kind of fundraising or a situation such as that, you're, you're going to sell these things for more than what they might be worth because that's the whole point. You're trying to, to raise money yes. for charity. So again, like you said, put the vinyl on Bandcamp for five bucks, put it to the burn victims. Awesome. I, I support that wholeheartedly. It's not even feasible for me to, to try to enter this competition. Again, living in the United States, because then I got to get on a plane and then I got to fly over yeah. there and then I got to get a hotel. And, I, and now you were just talking about your travel style through Europe and 
doing that kind of thing through the UK and through Europe is definitely much easier than doing it through the United States. And the flip side of the coin is too, if they had done this in the United States, people in, in Europe and the UK would have said, well, I'm not going to do it because now I've got to fly over there. And they were trying to hold yeah. it. They were holding the event at the zoo that you got to go where the zoo is. Those things were just so out of my league because I had to travel halfway around the world to make that happen. So Even if they were in the US, I still think the tickets for them would have been out, out of your price range. I think they would have they would have been out of my price range, and I live within an hour's drive of Bristol, which is where the zoo is. Gotcha. And I know for I know for a fact those tickets would have been out of my price range. And before the comments flurry, yes, I'm aware, well, don't go away to Europe for a weekend. I would have considered that. But it's still an awful lot of money. And I understand it's for charity, but... So just to, just to drive your point home, the last two podcasters from the Tim's Talking podcast were commenting on the age group of Hello Internet from the official unofficial census and saying, yes. you know, how a lot of us are kind of in, in this 18 to 35 age range. You know, young adulthood mm-hmm. and, and, you know, still late high school, college age, young working adults, age group and, and demographic here. So, you know, that's definitely a tough group of people to, to try to squeeze pennies and nickels and dimes out of. <laughs> so I, I understand your your gripe and I, I support you in it. I still have put a lot of money towards Hello Internet because I think it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I still, I support them on um, Patreon. I have the flag. Those were things I am happy to, to buy because they were within my price range. Sure. I'm worried that this gripe I have with the show is somewhat unfounded, but given that the main, from what we can tell with the data source, the main audience age is 18 to 35, which stereotypically is either students or those starting out a career in graduate salaries with, in the lower bounds, they're not on high pay grade yet, they can't really afford $240 for custom Hello Internet sneakers or $70 on a vinyl. They just can't. I just, I can't even get over the price for those shoes. I had no idea they were that much money. I had no idea. I, I mean, again, I, I looked at like a little picture of them and I'm like, meh, not for me. So I kind of washed it from my mind after that. That's just, that's just insanity for shoes. Yes. And Gray and Brady also talk about, oh, the new Apple Watch came, I just went and bought it. And the new iPhone just dropped and they just go and get it. And then they didn't like it. And well, hopefully they returned it and got their money back. I use a phone provider where I need to bring my own phone. And so I have to go and buy my phone for retail price, you know, not through the contract and you pay per month. And so, you know, the month to month expenses are very low for me, which is great, but that means I have to shell out hundreds of dollars up front to get a phone to to bring. So, you know, I, I don't understand how these guys are doing this year after year after year where it's like, I need to make my phones last five years uh, because oh, I don't yeah. have $800 to just throw around. And I know iPhones go for way more than that, but I don't do the iPhone thing. So it's just tough to, to throw that kind of cash around, like you're saying. <sighs> They're very frivolous about it. This is what kind of gets me is how they'll talk about the new iPhone and then they'll bitch about it and then go, oh, I'll probably get it. It's like, that's, that's, that's $1,000. You're talking about, you're talking about a thousand. Yeah. Yeah. I could do a lot with a thousand dollars. Yeah. There's so much I could do with that money that they're talking about throwing away on a project they feel meh about. I can turn on the TV, watch the real housewives of Beverly Hills and feel infuriated or meh for free. I don't need to shell out a thousand pounds on an Apple Watch 
or a new iPhone to feel meh. See now, I've got this I've got this exchange I have with my friends where it's like what is seen cannot be unseen. Once somebody draws attention to something, now you're always mm-hmm. going to see it or you're always going to look for it or you're always going to be aware of it. And like now, now that you've told me about this with the with the the Hello Internet show, it's like I have a feeling my perception is going to be skewed and I'm going to be thinking about this the next episode like so what kind of what kind of frivolous things are you throwing away here, CGP Grey? Like, how much money are you throwing, <laughs> pissing to the wind, to talk about the <laughs> iPhone 10? And um, did you see his his Animoji video up on CGP Grey too? No, I haven't. I will check that out after we've stopped recording. Hold no, hold on. Hold, it's it's like thirty seconds long. I'm gonna find this for you. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll I'll watch it now then. I assume he made it with his iPhone. Because it like was some kind of weird shameless plug for iPhone at the end, but somebody had linked to it in the Reddit. So I saw it through the Reddit. I subscribed to CGP Grade Two, but I, I it didn't come up on my feed. Is it you don't know how it feels to be an emoji? Yep. So all you really need to do is forward fast forward to about it's a Tom Petty song. Uh, you don't know how it feels. All right. You need to fast forward to about the like the two minute mark. The two minute mark. All right. I'm watching. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what is he doing with his life? Is this what you're doing with the new iPhone, CGP Grey? Are you just making an emoji videos <laughs> with Tom Petty songs? I'm curious to see what the next Cortex or the next Hello Internet has to say about this. And now, I appreciate that some of Grey's income is coming from Cortex and is coming from other things where he's going to be talking about the latest and greatest technology. So it behooves him to get his hands on it relatively soon and and start recording with it. He also has made the video in Vegas, you know, with his iPhone to kind of try the whole vlogging thing. Yes. I think it's smart for someone like him to shell out that kind of money at times for certain pieces of technology that are going to advance his career and continue to allow him to make money, you know, business expenses and whatnot. But if you're just making an emoji videos with Tom Petty songs, <laughs> uh, it's hard to justify. So maybe he was just screwing around with the, with the new iPhone. Who knows what he was doing? When he uploaded that. I think this kind of gets back to what we were saying a minute ago. Like, this is the hashtag first world YouTuber problems where, oh, oh yes. I can just shell out, you know, all this stuff for for the new iPhone so I can make silly little videos and upload it to my second channel because one channel's not enough. Where where else do you put silly, <laughs> silly little emoji <laughs> videos? I just, I got a good chuckle out of that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, I tell you what, Kevin, like speaking to you and we have both tripped over our words, we've both talked over each other, we have said thousands of times during this conversation, we'll edit this bit out, or we'll move this bit, or we'll chop it through. It makes me really appreciate how much work they put into Hello Internet. I, as I mentioned earlier, had a very brief flirtation with podcasting, and, and I had to let it go just because it took up so much time. I was making episodes that were about five minutes long, about five, somewhere between five and ten minutes, and it was just one dude talking, just me, with a pre-arranged script, just saying, hey, like, I, I just went out and I bought this thing, and I like it, or hey, I just went out and bought this thing, and it's a piece of garbage, and don't waste your money. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you, this is before Cortex started talking about time tracking, which got very interesting to me due to my, my professional job. It was before I was doing the time tracking. I couldn't tell you how many hours I put in just to make a five or six minute podcast episode. And you're doing the same thing with your videos. How many hours go into, like you're talking about the animation and stuff like that. Yes. This is fun and it's been wonderful doing this chat with you. It is not 
for the faint of heart if you want to get serious oh gotcha it's fun i i'm totally in support of of the tims getting on the bandwagon and, and making the tims talking podcast and and i like how hello internet was made by two people and spawned a bunch of fans and this is the fan made version of their of their show and and imitation is the greatest form of flattery right yes but it is so difficult to go through and edit all those little we were talking about that earlier edit all the little breaths or edit out all the little ums or do that stuff so uh by no means yeah. do i think we're here outdoing or or comparing ourselves to brady and gray <laughs> oh god uh, no. no 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 this is amateur hour i know it's fun it's been fun to get together and do this it's been it's been very interesting to get to meet meet the tims put ourselves out there for the world and have everybody berate us or laugh at us in the comments and tell me how stupid I am for not watching The Sopranos. Yeah, or completely berate me for having a go at their well-earned wealth and how every $240 sneaker is a penny, every penny is well spent on them. Like, please, tell me I'm wrong. I'd love to hear why. As you were mentioning before about comedy, like, it's so personal. Like, what... What are you willing to put your money into? What are you willing to put your time into? And, you know, I think Gray and Brady have, have earned, as you were just saying, have earned the income that they have by putting the work and the time into the things that they're passionate about. You know, maybe for us low lowly Tims over here, sneakers just aren't something we're really all that interested <laughs> and passionate about putting our hard-earned money into. You know, we will both, I'm sure, continue to support the show and through Patreon and through those other means. And, and uh, when I when I, I use Squarespace for my job as well as I, I use Squarespace for for the podcast that I had tried to start and I used the offer code that they're always putting out to help support the show and do that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's been really great doing our part as the the Tim army, so to speak, to keep these guys in power and support them and do what we need to do. But we all don't need to run out and buy 300 some odd dollar shoes either. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I'm happy sticking to the free Tim foolery, not the paid sneaker wearing.